0: What we want want to do this morning for just a few minutes, it's so easy to come on vision day and you say, oh, we did the budget and we did this, and and you don't really get a feel for some of the other things. So what I've asked is the six people who represent six areas of ministry here to come, and I've told them they have four minutes, and there's a timer in the back that will go off a big loud alarm if they go over the four minutes. Not really, but they think it might, might happen. Uh, but I, I've asked them to take, I've asked them to do the impossible in four minutes to share what God has placed on their heart. Uh, first of all will be Natalie Kearley. She's a children's ministry director. Jim Jacobs is coming for youth ministry. Kathy Knight for women's ministry. Followed by Joel Smith, family ministry. Then Gary Dixon, men's ministry. And finally, Tan Seichal, uh for the Mian church and the Mian ministry. And I'm going to just ask them to come up and share their hearts with you uh, as, as we progress here.
1: Good morning. I'm going to take this mic because then maybe I won't talk with my hands as much. Um, I am so excited to be here. For those of you that know me, you know this is not my most comfortable place to be, but I am excited for where I feel like God is taking us as a children's ministry. Um, The main thing that we're kind of working on, and I know most of you have noticed the orange hair and think I've just gone crazy, but that is because I want you guys to think about how we can take our children's ministry and make it orange. And I know that Most of you don't understand what that means, so I'm going to take a minute and explain what that is. Uh, When you're painting, you have, you know, red and yellow paint. You can mix it together and make orange. And what we want to do is take the two major influences in a child's life and combine them together to make a bigger impact. And the two major influences in a kid's life is the church and the home. And the church is represented by the color yellow because we're the light to these kids. And the family is represented by the color red because they're the love. And so what we really want to do is combine together, partner together, and make a better influence on these kids to to impact this next generation. So we want to to partner with parents because, in reality, as a church, we only have about 40 hours a year with these kids. And parents have close to 3,000 hours a year with their kids. And so we want to make the most of the time that we have with them We want to tell them about God. We want them to be excited when they come to church. But then we want to be able to provide the parents with information they need to go home and continue that training while they're at home. Um, We want them to create a rhythm in their families where they talk about God in everyday situations, and it just becomes part of their family. We don't want it to be a hard thing to do. We know families are busy. We just want to help them put God into everyday life. Um, When we impact this next generation— We have this example in Deuteronomy chapter 6 where it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you get up. We want it to be simple. We want it to be when they eat dinner together that these families are talking about God. When they are riding in the car, they're talking about God. And so, with this curriculum we've started using, they give parent cues. And so, the parents can go home and take these papers we give them, and it has questions to ask their kids at these different times of the day. So, we really want to be a partner with these parents that they know that we're here for them, that we are the encouragement that they need. And so, we need all of your guys' help as well. We want to create a community. We want this church to be a place where these families know that they can come, and we are here to support them, that we are here to um, be that extra example. I've read a book called Think Orange by Reggie Joyner, and he is the one that has put on this curriculum, and this is what he says. The most powerful thing you can do for parents is to provide kids in your ministry with another adult who will say the same things in their kids' lives that they're trying to say as a parent. This is Essence of Orange. Two combined influences having a greater impact than just two influences. We want to be that other adult influence in these kids' lives. We want parents to feel comfortable leaving their kids knowing that the adults that are teaching them are teaching them the same things that they want to teach their their kids as the parents. And so we need you guys to come alongside and be those other adults in their lives. We need you to come alongside the families and be that encouragement that they need we want to all think orange together and so every time you see orange whether it be in my hair or on you know your everyday life i want you to pray for our children's ministry and i want you to pray about how you can possibly be a part of it because the greatest thing we can do as a church and families is to impact these kids and help them to have a growing relationship with christ thank you
2: good morning I would like to read a, a script, piece of scripture. It might sound familiar. It's from Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine. It says, "Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands." and bind them on your foreheads write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates i'd like to share with you a problem that we have today in youth ministry there's a statistic that says that 80% of our high school seniors by the time they graduate will leave the faith that's a huge number eight out of 10 students it's ridiculous what are we doing wrong and how can we do what, what can we do to get better I think in verse 7, it says to impress God's commandments on your children. To talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This is saying that God's commandments should be a part of every single part of our lives, and that it should influence, and that the kids should see that through our lives. This is our responsibility. We need to show teenagers what it means to follow Christ. So I want to share with you a a normal ratio and talk about mentoring a little bit. A normal ratio in youth group is five students to one adult. But what if we flip-flopped that number and had five adults impacting the life of one student? Adults who actively love and care for the student. I'm not just talking about youth leaders. I'm talking about parents, teachers, coaches, Sunday school teachers, youth workers, and ultimately the church family. Our youth staff currently is, is seeking to, to impact the life of a student one at a time. In fact, one of our old youth staff members, Alex Kearley, who runs our sound, brought, used to bring students over to his house to do some work, all the while investing and loving and caring for these students. So my goals for this year look like this. We're talking about mentoring, investing in in students through real relationships and experiencing life together. We also want to develop leadership in the students through our sit teams or our servants in training, where we're going to be partnering with the children's department and having our students in leadership positions. And also, we want to develop community through small groups in the church and their involvement in the church as well. And this may seem intimidating and like a lot to do, but I heard a story from Dr. Richard Harris. It's about two men who were on a beach, and, one, and the older man was walking, and the younger man was bending over and throwing starfish into the ocean. And the older man said, what are you doing? Why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? And the younger guy said, well, the sun is out, the tide is low, and if I don't do this, these, these starfish will die. And the older man questions, and he says, but there's thousands of miles of beach and thousands of starfish along the way. How are you possibly going to make a difference? And the younger man picks up a starfish and throws it into the ocean and says it made a difference for him. Can you make a difference in the life of one of our students? When you see the need, will you do something about it? If you make the impact, if you make an impact on one student's life, it helps lower that 80% by one more. Thank you.
3: Well, I feel so blessed that I get to work with the women in this church. And we have a terrific women's ministry. As you've seen already, we have 20 women on our On our ministry team and many others help in so many ways and we are excited about what God is going to do here at Crosspoint in the coming year we're really active and and I just want to give you a few ways of how we try to uh, touch people's lives through our Crosspoint Women's Ministry first we have Bible studies we have a a Tuesday evening and a Thursday morning Bible study and we try to really get into the word in these studies so that it can become real in the lives of the women and uh verna dixon teaches our uh thursday morning group along with some other helpers and we kind of co-teach the evening class with a couple different teachers lynn potroff and i have been working on that and uh, we just feel it's so important for us to live what god's word says in addition to our bible studies we have ladies night out and that is a real fun time and um We believe that fun and fellowship are important in bringing women together and creating an atmosphere where friendships can flourish. So that's what that's all about. It's fun, but it also has a purpose. We have events about four or five times a year. And last year's highlight, I believe, was our Christmas simulcast at the Men's Ministry co-sponsored with us. And we brought in people from different churches all across Redding and we had a great time and in addition we took a love offering and gave about $1400 to CareNet Pregnancy Center here. So every year we try to do something that really will impact and minister to an organization here in Redding. We also have coming up in just a couple of weeks a Lisa Harper event and Lisa Harper is a terrific speaker who travels all over the United States speaking, and she's been at Women of Faith, and we are hosting it here at Cross Point. The Shasta County Women's Ministry is putting this on, but we're, it's here, so I hope all of you women will come. If you haven't got your ticket yet, it's not too late, so uh, see me after the service if you want to go. You really will be blessed. They have a fantastic worship team that's going to be bringing us music, so I'm really excited about that. We also have small groups within our big group. And by the way, I didn't do PowerPoint. And you know what? I know how to do PowerPoint, but I don't know why. I just—I fully intended to because I don't like everybody just looking at me. But, you know, time ran out. So anyway, our small groups we have um, with cute names, hiker hens. They get together and hike. Walkie-talkies. You can probably guess what that is. Golfer gals. And then we also have a prayer group that meets regularly and prays for the women's ministry and the church, and it's just so wonderful to know that we can count on that. We also have a group of ladies who get together once a month and sew or make crafts or do things. They're called Women's Missionary Fellowship. And they make these things and give them to our missionaries or to organizations that have a need. So that's a really important part of kind of ties between mission and women's ministry. The last area is retreats or conferences. We usually go to Women of Faith once a year in October. We've taken anywhere from 35 to 55 women, and it's, it's really a great time of refreshment and fun. We have a retreat every other year, and that's a, such a good time for the ladies to get to know each other and really develop good friendships. And this year... I kind of have the same goal that I had last year because it didn't happen. So we're going to try it again. We're going to try a mentoring program. We want to get together one-on-one or maybe one-on-two and share life experience. We want to maybe have a, could be a discipleship or Bible study together. Could be getting together and working on scrapbooks or cooking or any number of things. So in the next few weeks, we're going to have some, uh, information about that so you can get involved. And then finally, our prayer ministry. Prayer is so important to what goes on here, and it's vital for every ministry, every area. Uh, I'd like to quote Jerry Falwell. One time he said, nothing of eternal significance is ever accomplished apart from prayer. And that is so true. We can't do it in our own strength. And even when you think being a volunteer, whether you're on staff or if you're a volunteer, how many times do you just feel exhausted, like you can't do it anymore, but if you pray and ask God to give you the strength, he, w- he will give it to you, and God is always there with you, I'd like to give you a verse of encouragement, at least it's encouraging to me, Philippians 1-6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm so glad that Christ is still working in our lives and hearts here at Crosspoint. Thank you.
4: Well, good morning. It's uh, been about a year since we started attending Crosspoint, so I just want to say thank you. It's been a great year. I just get to know all of you. We've really enjoyed our time here. For the young families... We're just kind of following along with a the theme. Uh, we've named our, our group uh, Connect, and it follows a you know, pattern of three steps in how we connect to God. Over the last couple of months, uh, our Sunday school has gone through the Sermon on the Mount and looked at what it means to connect to God through laying our foundation upon Jesus. On Wednesday nights in our Bible study, we've gone through the book of Ephesians and looked at how we connect to God by living the life of sacrifice. Uh, it means connecting to each other. We have kind of adopted the phrase, doing life together. It's, you know, it's how we want to begin living our lives as a group, as a church body. And uh, you know, it's, it's shown up in a lot of different ways from uh, you know, moms taking you know, different kids to school to, to help other moms out. Um, I think Larry and team have already adopted the orange principle. because I don't think there's a young family here that has a shortage of oranges at their house. <laughs> uh, they load us up. Um, Rod and Rajana. I started bringing out dinners on Wednesday nights, which it's a huge blessing to me because I work till 6, and our Bible study starts at 6.15. So um, so thank you guys. But it's been fun just watching just little things develop over the last years we've done life together. Um, and then we want to connect to our community. We want to connect with those who don't yet know the Lord. And, and one of the big ways we're doing that this next year is through Upwards Basketball. Uh, Lee Welch and... Josh Wiley are are heading this up, and this is a great program. There's a table out the back with a lot more information on it. You can go out, and you can talk to them, and you're sitting there saying, I know basketball, great. Oh, we got the gym, good. But I don't don't play basketball. I'd hurt my hip if I played basketball. We don't actually need you to play basketball. What this is, is this is a league for kids ages, uh, you know, kindergarten up to fifth grade, and and it's non-competitive. The whole goal of this league is to, A, teach our kids just the fundamentals of basketball, how to dribble, how to shoot, how to pass, how to play as a team. It's, uh, it allows them just to have fun so we don't keep score during the games. But more than that, each week they get a gospel message. Each week at each practice and during the games, the teams are hearing their coaches talk about the Lord and, and what it means to follow God, what it means um, to just under, start grasping this idea that, that God loves us. Um, I think that's one of the most, you know, core, core things kids need to, need to hear over and over and over again is God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And, and that's one of the great things about Upwards is that it reinforces the idea of God's love. So what we need is we need people who are willing to coach. Uh, we need people who are willing to referee. And you're saying, well, I can't do any of those things. We've got a lot more areas. We need people to help with setup and cleanup. Um, If you can do that, that'd be great. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. We need people to pray. We want um, each team to have its own uh, prayer couple. People who are praying for each specific team, for the lives of those kids that go through the season, that that their ears would be open to hearing what God has to say to them. We need people who are just there to cheer on the teams. So each week you show up to to cheer on uh, your specific team, I think games last like half an hour, maybe 40 minutes. So you show up, you cheer on your team, um, you know, get to know the parents that you're sitting with each week, and begin building relationships and doing that uh, orange thing um, every Saturday with your team. At the end of the season, there's going to be a big um, you know, award ceremony, which we'll have on Sunday night. All the families will be invited. You'll get a chance to know all of them, and Pastor George will be presenting the gospel as well. So the whole premise of this is that we teach them basketball, but we also teach them about the love that Jesus has for them.
5: You know, I don't do PowerPoint either because I'm old. Right? So. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's my opportunity and my pleasure to talk about men's ministries here at Crosspoint. Uh, men's ministries really exist to bring men together for fellowship and an opportunity for them to learn what it means to be a godly man. And we do that through example. You know, uh, we've seen huge growth this last year in our men's ministry. Uh, men's ministry has had lots of false starts in this church as well as a lot of other churches, but I believe we're on the right track now. We're seeing uh, consistently over 50 men for breakfast uh, once a month. And, you know, it's part of it's about the food, but I believe a big part of it's about the fellowship. And we've planned a lot of things because it's an opportunity, just like Joel mentioned, connect. I love that. Our men's ministry is really an opportunity for men to connect. We've had our October retreat at Richardson Springs, uh, like the ladies, we do our fun shoot every year. Both of those things are just hugely uh, participated in, and uh, the guys just seem to love those. They're really successful, and we've seen a lot of new guys show up for those. We also did our bike day this year, and some of you said, I didn't know about bike day. Well, no, nobody else did either because there was very <laughs> few people that showed up. So we find that sometimes we have to be flexible. So those are the things that we change. What are the things that interest guys? This year, we really want to expand our men's ministry, and we want to do it four ways. We want to do it through prayer, praise, power, and purpose. One of the things we're going to do through prayer is we're incorporating, starting now, uh, more prayer at our men's breakfast. It's just a short time around the table for guys to share maybe something's going on in their life. And everyone needs prayer. You know, if you're in a restaurant... Uh, you can pray for your waitress. You can pray for your servers. And if they know you're praying for them, they love that. So it's an opportunity for us to share. That's one of the things we're going to do. We're going to introduce a concept that's been around here for a while, but it's kind of slowed down. It's called the cord of three strands. And basically what that is is anytime you get three guys together, they're much stronger than just two and an opportunity to pray for each other. So the cord of three strands is something new that we're going to be talking about because that can't be broken. It's strong. Through praise, we continue to use men's testimonies at our uh, monthly breakfast and sharing what God's doing in their lives there and at other key events. Through prower, the ladies talk about women's Bible study. And, you know, the men's ministry is exactly like the women's ministry except we don't decorate. (laughs) That's the big difference. But... (laughs) But Bible study, we've been lacking in that. And But we do have a men's Bible study that meets here every Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock up in the men wing. And we've got materials on order. We're going to be starting a new 10-week Bible study for the guys that uh, is based on, it's called Stepping Up. It's going to be a great time for the guys to get together and, again, learn what it means to be a godly man in Christ. And purpose. You know, building relationships with Christian and non-Christian men through acts of service. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, as Pastor George has mentioned here, where we can work together. We want to take some of those opportunities into the community. This is something that was suggested at our last meeting with uh, Josh. And, you know, we want to do that. We want to see ways that the guys can really show what it means to take a cup of cold water to our community. That's basically what's going on with men. And, you know, being the administrative pastor here, I'm also in charge of buildings and grounds. And the things that are going on here are just amazing. And I would want to mention one of the reasons we do this, because you look at it and say you're spending a lot of money at Crosspoint. We do it for three reasons. Number one, we do it for safety. Number two, we do it for integrity of the buildings. And number three, we do it to create a place where people will want to come and worship God.
0: Thank you.
6: Before I share um, mission and vision of Crosspoint Mian Baptist Church I just want to publicly thank the Lord Jesus Christ For the privilege and honor to serve the Mian people In the past 12 years And second thing on behalf of Crosspoint Mian Baptist Church I would like to say thank you to Crosspoint Community Church For your continued prayer, support And allow us to be part of your church family so we're so thankful. I don't often have that opportunity to share. So I want to um, say thank you on behalf of the Mian people. I want to talk about the mission and the vision of Cross Point Mian Baptist Church. It is to know God, to love God, and to follow God. That is our mission and vision. The basis for our mission and vision is from Philippians 3, verse 10, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, and Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I want to explain what I mean by to know God. First, to know God. Who are those who know God? In the New Testament, believer, the disciple, are those who know God. In John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And I know my own, and my own knows me. And again, in John 17:3, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ who you have sent in Philippians three ten, we see the cry of Paul's heart and it should be the cry of our heart it is to know him to know Christ and the power of his resurrection to experience the power of Holy Spirit and the fellowship of his suffering and to conform to his death that is all desire of the Mian church as well to know him Not just know about God, but to know him personally, to know him relationally, to know him experientially, and to experience the power of Holy Spirit. That's what our our mission. Second one is to love God. When someone came alongside and asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Which is in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. What I'm saying is that all purpose, all mission for the Mian church is to love God with total being, with all heart, with all strength, with all soul, with all mind. The third thing is to follow God. Jesus himself said, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. To follow Jesus, day by day, moment by moment. It's our mission as a Mian church. So to sum it up again, the purpose of Cross Point Mean Baptist Church is to know God personally and relationally. To love him with all, all beings. And to follow him in all his ways. When you know God personally, when you have relationship with God, you can't do any, anything but to love him with all your heart. When you, fo- when you know him, when you love him, you will follow him. Follow him according to his commandment, his commission. And then I want to share with you, how do we accomplish our mission and vision? We follow the example of early church disciple. That's our method. The early church disciple practiced corporate worship. Hence, the body of uh, men believer, we gather together to have corporate worship in chapel. The early church disciples gather for teaching, fellowship, and breaking up bread. This is what we call a biblical fellowship. The million people will have opportunity weekly to gather, whether on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, or worship service. We gather together to come for a time of teaching of the Word of God, to observe the Lord's supper throughout the year. The early church also strategically evangelize which is from the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 12 and Matthew 28 18 to 20 the Mian church we strive to strategically evangelize our reigning area Shasta County and even in California we do outreach during Christmas outreach during New Year's Eve we also outreach during Easter Our goal is for every single family, Mian Church family, go out to our community, for every family in the community, to have someone for the Mian Church that visited them, explained to them, invited them to Christ. And for the ministry around the world, we use audio. Every single week when I preach a message up in the chapel, it is on shortwave radio throughout Asia. We also use video, DVD, internet, and writing so the men, people around the world could hear the gospel message. The early disciples also actively participate in discipleship, which is based on Ephesians 4, 12, and Matthew 28, 20 also. For the men, being a disciple of Jesus means turning to God from the idol to serve the true and living God, which is as Thessalonica did. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. They also burned the idol in the sight of all the people when they returned to the Lord. As in Ephesus. In the book of Acts 19 and 18. For the mere people becoming disciple of Jesus Christ. Means sacrifice. We don't just walk up the aisle and repent. We actually went to the house. Burned all the idols in public. And then lead them to the Lord. And then publicly, they become disciple of Jesus. So throughout the year, no matter what we do, we read everything grid through the vision of the mere church, which is to know Christ, to know God. When you know Him personally, relationally, you will love Him. When you love Him, you will follow Him. His great commission, to make disciple. So thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: All six of these people make it so much fun to come to work every day for me, and uh, you've heard some of the outreaches, the, the upward basketball, what's going to happen with that, and, and again, Christy Ellis has done a tremendous job in, in uh, going online and helping us, uh, volunteers that have just really popped up and, and done an important part of that. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis 15. We won't stay long, but I just want to, to sum all this up for just a minute because why should we have a Vision Day? What's our challenge from this? What do we get when we go away from this? Let me relate this. Uh, On June 8, 1924, June 8, 1924, George Lee Mallory, a British schoolmaster who also was a father, had three young children, and his associate, his friend, they left the base camp to climb Mount Everest. Before they went, a, a reporter went to them and said, why would you try this? Why, why would you do this? Why would you risk this? And his answer has become famous, because it's there. He did that in 1924. In 1999, 75 years later, an American team that was climbing to the, the summit of Mount Everest found his body, George Mallory's body and his friend's body frozen in the snow and the ice. They never made it to the top, and his body was still there. So my question is, did he have vision, or did he sacrifice his life to achieve something that really didn't matter, that really didn't, it was an unnecessary goal? When I think of vision, I don't want to give my life for something that's not important in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1 it says after this the word of the Lord came to Abram to Abram in a vision do not be afraid Abram I'm your shield your very great reward and the question I ask is what is God's vision for my life what is God's vision for your life what is God's vision for this church you've heard the six different people on staff mention some of the things and again there are many other things that don't get mentioned but I want to look at two things number one what is God's concept of our future because this is what we find in Genesis 15 Verse four, it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. Abraham has said, Lord, I don't have a son. You promised me a son 10 years ago and I still don't have a son. The word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir. Abraham says, how about this servant? But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram believed that God's plan, God's vision for him was sufficient. And I want to ask you two questions because of that. Here's the first question. Am I hungry for God's vision? Vision is confusing sometimes. I've read uh, four books on vision this week. I I, I have poured over them over the last few weeks as well. I I have prayed and, and asked the Lord for vision. And sometimes it's confusing because sometimes... What we perceive as our need drives our vision. Let me give you an example. If you go to any alcoholic today and ask them what they need, they will always respond, I need a drink. That's the last thing they need. Their perceived need is not the true need. And sometimes when we get together as a church, what we think is our need, what we perceive as our need is not really what we need. And Jesus is walking along, the, uh, uh, walking along the road one day and there are two blind people and, and he calls out to them in, in uh, Matthew 20, 32, what do you want me to do for you, he asks. And what did they respond? They're blind. What would they say? We want our sight. They've just met the King of kings, the Lord of lords. They've just met the one who with a word spoke all of creation into being. They've just, spoke, they've just met the one who could save them from an eternity in hell And they want their sight. And sight is a wonderful thing, but they missed the most important need. That was Jesus. And if we're not careful, we will want what we want more than what God wants for us. He has a plan that far exceeds what we have. And we'll come to him with our agenda and say, Lord, this is what I want to do. And I don't want to do that. I want to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want? In Genesis chapter 12 if you go back you see that that he says to Abraham 10 years before this happens it appears it's about 10 years earlier and, and he says I'm going to make you a great nation he says that to a 75-year-old with, with no son. He says that to a 75-year-old whose, whose wife is 65, way past childbearing years, and, and he says this to a man who doesn't have a, doesn't have a future, doesn't have great plans. He doesn't even have a permanent address. And the Lord says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then he goes on to say, through you all nations will be blessed. God's vision focused on a people that would multiply beyond their wildest imagination and a purpose that defied their greatest dream. I believe God's vision for this church is the same. I believe he wants to use us to win the loss to Jesus Christ, to multiply beyond our wildest imagination. And his purpose through this church is to impact not only Reading, not only Shasta County, not only the English speaking, not only the, the Mian speaking, not only the Mandarin speaking and the Korean speaking, but also the Spanish speaking and every other nation and every other tongue around the world. And you say, that can't be. We're just this church in Reading. How can this be? Because God has a plan. My objective is not to sell you on a dream. My, my task is to reveal what God has placed on my heart and to introduce you to who Jesus Christ is and allow the Holy Spirit to confirm in your heart what he's placed on my heart. My desire is to bring you face to face with the King of kings and the Lord of lords so that you ask, when he asks you, what do you want me to do for you, you say back to him, what would you have me do for you, Lord? Find out that he can be trusted with your life. Am I hungry for God's vision? Number two, am I committed to God's vision? It's one thing to say that I'm going to do it. It's another thing to follow through. It, it, it's, an, it's one thing to say that we're going to lose weight. It's another thing to actually lose it. By the way, I'm down 11 pounds pounds. Still working on it. Even when we hunger for God's vision, There's going to be hardship and frustration and pain and failure. Ten years after this promise in Genesis 12, he's still waiting on God, and he's going to wait another 15 years, 25 years from the time that God said, you're going to have a son, until finally at 99, God comes back, and Abraham laughs, and Sarah laughs. And the Lord says, I gave you my word. And during that interim, there was all kinds of trouble Sarah has a great idea. She decides that Abram can sleep with her handmaid. And Abram, being just the the really gentle man that he is, says, okay, I can do that. And they have Ishmael, who just muddies and confuses the waters even more. When things don't go the way we expect, do we give up? Or do we turn back to the Lord? Hebrews 12.2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author And perfecter of our faith there's a reason why on HGTV they show you the before and the after there's a reason why Nutrisystem and Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers and every other place shows you the before and the after because they want you to get a vision of what you could be and the Lord says I want you to see what you could do what's God's concept and here's the last part what is what is the concrete reality how does it flesh out what's the concrete reality of our future two more verses in Genesis 15 that says in verse 7 he also said to him I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it but Abraham said oh sovereign lord how can I know that I will gain possession of it and we do the same thing lord we've been working at this this church overall is almost 50 years old this church, I've been here for all, for almost 8 years it'll be 8 years in a couple of weeks How much longer, Lord? And the Lord says, I am working behind the scenes. What's the concrete reality? Two things. Number one, be God's people. What Ton was just talking about, what Pastor Ton was talking about. Do you love him? Do you know him? Do you follow him? Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you follow him? Be God's people. The way we flesh this out, if you read the rest of this chapter, uh, Ab- God tells Abram, listen, you're going to have a son. He talks about Isaac. He talks about the fact that they're going to go into captivity for 400 plus years, and then he gives them the, the, the diagram of how big Israel is going to be, bigger than Israel has ever been. God says, I have a plan to enlarge your boundaries bigger than what you could imagine, you see on the, on the walls, living in grace, walking by faith, and as you leave today, you'll see sharing God, Christ's love. This is what it means to be God's person, to live in grace. We're not saved by what we've done. We're saved by what God has done, what Jesus Christ did on the cross. To live in grace, we're saved by grace, but we have to walk by faith to believe that what God has promised us is going to happen. And then as we are living in grace and we're walking by faith, we will share Christ's love with those around us. Where do I begin? Pray. You ask God to flesh out his vision in you in me. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. What does that look like? In August of 2005, I wrote something after reading a book. I called it I Have a Dream. And I have modified it. and You have it in your bulletin. I just want to read it. I have called it, I dream of a church. I dream of a church, a church where everyone feels welcome, where tattoos, weird hair, and ugly shoes don't immediately ostracize anyone, where every spiritual, physical, or financial gift is appreciated, but the largest financial giver is never elevated. Where laborers and CEOs worship and work side by side. Where black, white, Hispanic, and Asians, in fact all nationalities, all ethnicities, all pray to a colorblind God. I dream of a church where we run to forgive the returning prodigals whose mistakes and bad judgment wreck their lives. I dream of a church where marriage is cherished and the family supported. Where the average church member normally beats any pastor in ministering to those who are in need. I dream of a church where the spiritually hungry are fed and the lonely are comforted, where occasionally we're all uncomfortable because our soul decay is being drilled out and filled like when we go to the dentist's office. And I'm so sorry, Dr. Lyons. I dream of a church where we worship with passion and joy and enthusiasm, regardless of whether it's hymns or praise courses, because God is worthy of that praise. I dream of a church where a group of people fully understand and embrace what it means to live in grace, walk by faith, and share God's love. I dream of that church. And I've been dreaming of that church since I was five years old. And I believe God has called me to this church because this is the church that he wants to be that church. Be God's people. The last one is fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for Abram. Well, we have we said he was to through Abraham to impact the world. Jesus Christ, our salvation, came through Abraham, through Israel. Let me tell you something. My best thinking will never build God's kingdom. I can't dream any dream worthy of God. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. But church, listen to me. God's dream, his vision for what he wants us to be and to do can take root in our hearts and live through us. God's vision for this church is to fill all the buildings that we have right now, all the buildings he gave us, One day, we will walk through class after class, nursery, elementary, junior high, high school, college, single, married, it doesn't matter. They will be Mian, and they will be Korean, and they will be Mandarin, and they will be Hispanic, and they will be more nationalities than we can even think of right now. And they will all be here on this campus. We're going to have a, they can be married, they can be single, they're all growing in their faith. We are going to have a prayer walk on this campus that you can walk as you're walking. There's other places where you can walk, but here there will be stones that will be reminders of what we can pray for. We're going to have a prayer chapel this year in the three-story building. How? I don't know. We don't have the money, but we're going to have have a prayer chapel on the first floor where you can come in and begin to pray. This campus will be a center where God impacts our community with clothes and food and services that tangibly demonstrate how much God cares about people. There will be parenting classes here, financial classes here. There's going to be help for single moms and widows. There's going to be a resource center where books and videos and other materials are available. We've already started on that, and there's so much more than we could, that we can do. This is going to be a center for those drawing to the end of this mortal life as they're getting ready to go to be with the Lord. It's going to be a center for these people, our sunshiners and more, so they can minister, first of all, but they can also receive love and help during that time. The family center and the ball fields will ring with the laughter of children and adults who are using athletics and exercise and sport as one avenue to reach people for Jesus Christ. Some sitting here today listening to me, you're going to be a missionary somewhere outside of the continental United States. God is going to use some of you short-term and some of you long-term. Some of you permanently will leave this country to be a missionary one day. I believe God is going to do that. Crosspoint will impact our community and the world. God's purpose for this church is more than we can imagine. Let me close with this. A man by the name of Roger Crawford 51 years old now. He lives in Sacramento, California. When Roger Crawford was born, he was born with no hands. He had on his left hand one little thumb that came out from the middle of his wrist. But his hands were shortened. They were tapered in a very weird way. He had no left leg below the, uh, right at the knee. He had no left leg. And when he was born, Roger Crawford's dad took one look at him, and he praised God for who he was, and he decided he would teach Roger Crawford something that was important. So Roger says, from the time that I was born, the earliest memory that I have is my dad saying, challenges are inevitable, defeat is optional. Roger said, I can't learn to write, and his dad developed a pencil, especially that could be attached to the one thumb, so he could write left-handed, even though he is actually right-handed. Roger Crawford went through public school, made excellent grades. When he was about four or five years old, the kids were making fun of him because he couldn't throw the ball, and he came home and told his dad. His dad taught him to throw and catch a softball with his stumps. He got him a prosthesis, and he found out that with the prosthesis, Roger Crawford was faster than most of the kids. As he got into high school, he played several sports. He played on the tennis team. He was the champion. Had to serve with two hands. Had a prosthesis. He went on to, uh, to a Division I school and played tennis, the only person to ever play Division One sports with those kinds of disabilities. He was 22 and 11. One time, played John McEnroe. He's a pro tennis player today. One time, when he was playing football, he went out for the football team. They made him the running back. He says, "I couldn't throw it as well as I could just take it," and so they made him the running back. And one day, he was playing, and as he came bursting through the line, he had a clear field. It looked like he was going to score the touchdown, and and one of the kids grabbed him by the left ankle. Roger just shrugged off his prosthesis and hopped across the line. If you ask Roger Crawford, his favorite time in all the world is he said, watching that kid holding my left leg as I hopped across to score a touchdown. Roger Crawford earned $4 million last year speaking to uh, on Good Morning America, Larry King Live, Microsoft, Disney, others have hired him. And last year, as a speaker, a motivational speaker, he, he earned $4 million. And his message is that challenges are inevitable. Defeat is optional. We have plenty of challenges. Defeat is optional. God has a vision that's too big for me to comprehend and impossible for me to complete it is too big for us to comprehend. It is impossible for us to complete, but it's certainly not too big for God to achieve. My only question is, will you be part of God's vision? Would you bow with me? A much different message and much different service. Uh, if, if you're a visitor today, we understand that. We're gonna sing a closing song. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing a, a closing song and then you will be dismissed. But I want you to ask the Lord right now, to fulfill his vision. First of all, to flesh out his vision, then to fulfill his vision for your life. God took a 99-year-old and started fresh. I believe he can take us and make us what he wants us to be. So today, Father, as we come to you, we, we pray and ask that we will get the vision of what you want us to be today, to understand your grace, to live in it, to walk by faith, to trust you, Father, with the next step that we have. And, Father, to share your love with those in our neighborhoods and our work and our schools that need you so desperately. For our family and friends who need to know Jesus Christ, may you put a burden on us until we don't do it out of guilt, but we do it out of love that we say we want them to know the love we found in Jesus Christ. Father, double the size of this church. I believe you're going to do that by 2020, and yet, Lord, I sense that you're going to do even more than that. Bring those in to fill these buildings. Bring the lost, Father, that we can can know them and go to them, and Father, may you kick us out of here so that we go find those that we interact with every day to win them for Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.